I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure we would ever see Roe versus Wade over yeah. time. And, and God forgive me for, for, you know, even not believing that that might happen. So I want to believe with my whole heart that, yes, we can make abortion unthinkable, illegal and unthinkable in our lifetimes. Yeah, we're going to have to change the culture and we're going to have to change the laws in order to do that. So Christians and people of conscience have to stand up and make a difference. Welcome to Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman. You're about to make the jump from the dishonest mainstream media into free and independent thought from key thought leaders on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Welcome to Indie Thinker with Reed Juberman. I am elated to have on the program today Candy Klepper. Candy Klepper is the president at Tennessee Right to Life of Greater Chattanooga. And Right to Life, for those of you who don't know, is the nation's oldest pro-life organization dedicated to defending and advocating for the right of life of all innocent human, human beings, born and unborn. Candy, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me, Reed. It's an absolute pleasure. So um, I really want to take a moment to uh, celebrate with you what just took place yesterday. Before we do that, um, uh, let's let's give our audience a little bit of context and just help them know what uh, Right to Life is or even Tennessee Right to Life so that they can know what you guys have been busy doing. And then maybe even that'll give us an appreciation for uh, what yesterday meant to you, to you guys with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now, of course, we're filming this on, on Saturday, going live on Sunday. So we're, we're, we're actually talking about the big monumental decision of, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and, um, and the Supreme Court coming out and the things that they said, I think we're going to dive into it. Just really, really interesting things to discuss, but needless to say, before we get there, uh, give us a little snapshot of what Tennessee right to life is, what you guys do. Okay. Well, so as you mentioned, I am president, I'm honored to serve as president of Greater Chattanooga Right to Life, and we are a chapter of Tennessee Right to Life. Tennessee Right to Life is our state's oldest pro-life organization, and we're an affiliate of the National Right to Life Committee. And so we are Greater Chattanooga Right to Life. Let me start there. We are an all-volunteer organization and we defend and advocate for the right to life, like you mentioned in your opening, of all innocent human beings, born and un unborn, as we say, in all ages, stages, and conditions. Mm -hmm. um, we believe every human being from conception to natural death has immeasurable dignity and an unalienable right to life. Yep. In our mission, you know, there's a lot of different pro-life um agencies and groups and and different ways of of working and advocating in the pro-life arena our mission is pro-life education and legislation mm -hmm. so that's that's the focus of our our mission so with that being said yesterday must have been a very big day for you i um I have a very small uh, level of uh, ability to celebrate because all I've done, at, you know, since I started this podcast was stage conversations that I felt were helpful to people on these issues that tried to address uh, certainly the Christian perspective on on life issues and pro the pro-life stance. Um, and I felt a little bit of pride yesterday thinking that I might have a very small kind of crumb-like, uh, you know, role in what took place yesterday you guys with your um with what you do with legislation and what you do with educating people obviously have a much broader uh and more important role in the pro-life community and in what took place yesterday so i just on a personal level i'm just curious how did yesterday feel to you i i was like on cloud nine i yeah. mean um you know it was a victory. You know, we were on pins and needles, so yeah. to speak, to see what the Supreme Court was going to do. Of course, the decision was leaked um, a few weeks ago, but we weren't counting on it, so to speak. We were still praying. Yeah. And first and foremost, to God be the glory. Yeah. You know, this is his fight and we're soldiers in his army. And, you know, those of us in in Tennessee Right to Life, like I mentioned, we're the our state's oldest pro-life organization. You know, those of us who are in it now, we are standing on the shoulders of those who came before us, you know, because for nearly 50 years, as you are well aware, we have been under the erroneous Roe versus Wade decision as the law of the land and you know, those efforts that Tennessee Right to Life started right as Roe got decided, 
um, up until today, you know, our efforts and not just Tennessee Right to Life, so many. And don't downplay what you've done. You know, the prayers of so many people is the number one thing that has brought us to where we are today. And, you know, so that decision, the Dobbs decision, as it's being uh, being called the Dobbs, I think it was Dobbs versus Jackson, um, the Mississippi case, as everybody's calling it, by the Supreme Court of the United States. I mean, it's a landmark decision. It is monumental. It's historic. And it is going to save millions of innocent lives across our nation. Yeah, I don't know if you have the numbers for this, but uh, I think it was 63 million babies have been aborted in the 49 uh, going on 50 years since Roe v. Wade, something like that. Sadly, yes. And, that you know, there's no way, honestly, to really know because there's not consistent reporting requirements. Right. But yes, you are correct. 63 million um, lives just snuffed out before they even have a chance to get started. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this, because I think this would be important for people to know more broadly speaking. But I want to dig into the conversation around what took place. But uh, but let's talk about some of the things that, you know, in terms of what this means for uh, residents specifically of Tennessee. I know our listener base is is bigger than this, but a lot of conversation right now is happening around the big 13. So these are the states that are going to uh, eliminate abortion altogether in in their state. So um, Tennessee happens to be one of those. So what can we expect uh, moving forward now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, at least in the state of Tennessee, as far as uh, access to abortion is concerned? Right. So um, there are two laws that really were impacted in Tennessee yesterday by yesterday's decision. One is the heartbeat bill, as it's known in general, um, And my understanding is, and I'll tell you, I was on the road yesterday. I was in a press conference with Tennessee Right to Life. So I didn't hear a lot (laughs) of the other um, things that were being said in the media. But um, our general, our attorney general, Slatter, I can never say his name right. He, my understanding is he has already um, done whatever needs to be done. I'm not an attorney, so... I'm not going to say these words right, but done whatever needs to be done to put the heartbeat bill in in effect. So basically it was enjoined. My understanding is it was enjoined by the whichever circuit we're in. I think it's the Sixth Circuit. And he has already petitioned them or whatever the words are to get that unjoined. (laughs) I'm using the wrong words, but to get that put in effect. So that's one. And then the other one and Tennessee Right to Life um, supported this bill and was very instrumental in getting it passed. And that is it's what is typically called a trigger bill. It's the Human Life Protection Act. And it was passed in 2019. And what that bill says is that when Roe versus Wade gets overturned, then our abortion laws will revert basically back to what they were pre-Roe, which is that abortion is going to be banned, prohibited, illegal, whatever word you want to use in all cases, except when the life of the mother is at risk. Okay. And so we, you know, we expect that that is going to go in effect. I think what it said was like 30 days after the decision. So, you know, this is brand new. It just happened yesterday. So we're all waiting to see kind of how all this works, but that is what we expect to happen. Yeah. All right. So let's hone down a little bit deeper and then talk about what that means kind of more locally for us here in Chattanooga, just because I think it could serve for a maybe an example of kind of maybe what to expect or what what is what are some of the the repercussions of what took place on Friday with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So one of the big things for us here locally is that Planned Parenthood has not had a footprint in our city and they are uh, we're just a. Uh, moving in kind of in the beginning, I don't want to be wrong with timeline, but around um, the end of 2020, 2021, they had planned moving back in here to Chattanooga. So maybe just as a way of trying to gauge what this means for Planned Parenthood, what what does that do to them here in Chattanooga uh, now that this has taken place? Does that mean they pack up shop and go home? Well, that's a great question. Um, so they, they, let me first say, and, and you touched on this, we are so blessed in Chattanooga. We have not had an abortion facility here since yeah. the early 90s. And there is an amazing story. If you're not familiar with it or your listeners aren't, it, 
just go look it up. You can you can read about it um, online, and and you can still find people around Chattanooga who who can tell the story. But it was amazing, God's miracle that an abortion facility that used to be here actually is what got changed to. It got bought by some pro-lifers and got changed to what is now Choices and where the National Memorial for the Unborn is out on Vance Road, which Choices, our, our Pregnancy Resource Center here, they have since moved because they outgrew the building. I mean, just mm-hmm. amazing work of God. But anyway, so we haven't had an abortion facility here. And so, like you mentioned, Planned Parenthood, we got wind of this, I think it was March of 2020, actually. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look back, but I think it was March of 2020. Uh may have been 2021. All the years are running together with the (laughs) pandemic and everything. Um, But we got wind that Planned Parenthood had hired two staff in Chattanooga. They have hired a health educator and a community organizer. They do not have a facility here. As far as we know, they they haven't, we didn't, they could pop up, you know, I don't think they will now with this decision from yesterday, but, yeah. you know, they could have popped up with a, a facility, an office, a business, whatever, without us being aware. But as far as we've been aware, where they have not tried to open a facility. It was more trying to build support, right? Yeah, to see, and I don't to think see if they could find it here in Chattanooga. Because by and large, Chattanooga is a pro-life place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a subtle implication here. Um, because the the big talk of Planned Parenthood has always been we're about women's health, right? Um, but it's so interesting that Planned Parenthood now is the subject of every news coverage so that they can whine and moan about the fact that now they can no longer provide abortions, which I think is very telling that um, actually we all know the truth, which is that they were abortion providers by and large, the largest prov- abortion provider uh, in the nation. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of see what will happen with them and what all of the arguments that uh, we've heard come from Planned Parenthood over the years as they've raked in millions of dollars of federal funding. Um, what, what that will, what we'll see now in the wake of Roe v. Wade, will they double down on women's health or are they going to do the best they can to lobby for continued abortions to fight against the constitution and fight against the Supreme Court ruling? So, uh, all of that may be conjecture, but I think we all know that they've tipped their hand too many times to, uh, to, to do anything other than reveal to us what they're really about, which is to make sure that women have access to abortions. Now, um, it does bring me to this other thing. Now, you may not be able to speak to this, but um, but I've been contemplating this and discussing this with a couple of different people uh, that ultimately Planned Parenthood has probably a reason to complain because although not specifically um, involved in the decision that was made on Friday uh, by the Supreme Court, there are implications perhaps for Planned Parenthood. Um, and maybe a lot of people don't even know this, and this is why I bring it up, that they get millions, tens of millions, hun- almost hundreds of millions of dollars every single every single year from the federal government if abortion is no longer federally protected and it go- does go down to a state's decision. Does that mean that that federal funding that was kind of protected Uh, before, and that became their argument for keeping that funding and getting that funding, does that funding now go away now that Roe v. Wade is no longer the law of the land? Well, you've said a lot there, Reed. So let me talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you brought up. Now, the funding, that's a good question. I don't know. So the interesting part about the funding is it is supposedly not allowed to be used for abortions. Of course, we know money is fungible, right? You give me money for bread and say, don't go buy a bottle of whiskey with it. Well, I'll just use my money to buy my whiskey and use your money to buy my bread. I mean, it's all the same, right? Like, but they say that the money that they get from the federal government, our tax dollars, which I think is like over half a million, I mean, no, half a billion, sorry, like 600. The last figure I saw was like 680 million dollars. 
that's a lot of zeros. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Well, but by the way, like, well, I do have to dovetail here and just say that they also then dole out as a nonprofit that they dole out to liberal and Democratic candidates. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's exactly right. But, I mean, but churches are not supposed to advocate for any candidate left or right. But of course, Planned Parenthood uh, can give tens of millions of dollars to Joe Biden. Right. Follow the money. Yeah. Always follow the money. But, you know, and the other, of course, I think they've even stopped trying to say this, but, you know, they used to say, and they may still try to say it, abortion is only, quote, 3% of our business, which is crazy. I mean, that's been debunked, you know, yeah. the way that they do the numbers. And of course, statistics, you can make them anything you want to make them. But so I don't know what's going to happen with their federal funding, but, you know, we need to get rid of that. Regardless of Roe, you know, this money should have been long stopped, yeah. you know, long ago. Um, so we, um, as far as Planned Parenthood here in Chattanooga, I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, they're going to, let's just talk about Tennessee. Like I would think they're going to have to close their clinics. Mm -hmm. They are, or they're, I don't even like to call them clinics because abortion is not healthcare regardless of what they try to say, their euthanisms right. they use. But, you know, I would think they're going to have to close their uh, abortion facilities because, you know, it is going to be um, prohibited here in Tennessee. Of course, we know their game plan, the whole abortion industry, their game plan are these medication abortions, the, the abortion pills, the chemical mm -hmm. abortions, which we just passed in Tennessee. One of the laws that we just got passed in this legislative session that just ended and the governor has signed it is that no doctor can prescribe the abortion pills through telemedicine, through telehealth. Yes. They have to do it in person. Well, if you have to be in person, but you can't do it in Tennessee because now abortion is prohibited, we shouldn't be having any chemical abortions. Now, of course, you know, people are going to get them through the mail. They're going to do all these things. And and so we so the point, I guess, is our work is not over. Yeah, right? Like 100%. it's not like Roe versus Wade got overturned yesterday. And now Tennessee right to life. We're going to lock our doors and say, oh, good job. We're done. <laughs> yeah. We're not done by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we still are going to be, uh, of course, the other part about Planned Parenthood is they're not going to just take this lying down. We know they probably already filed their lawsuits today, probably mm -hmm. yesterday. You know, they are going to challenge this. And, you know, Planned Parenthood that and the whole abortion industry, they claim you mentioned about they say they're for women. I call, you know what, be you know what they are not for women yeah. because if they were so every um, parental consent law in the nation that states have passed, they have um, challenged them. In here in Tennessee, they have challenged our 48 hour waiting period. They have challenged informed consent. I mean, they challenge all they have yeah. challenged. Th get this. They have challenged us having um, the the facilities, the clinics to be inspected and meet certain standards. I mean, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? if you yeah. are for women, why would you not be for common sense protections? So yeah. no, they're not for women. They're also not for choice. You know, they like to use their euphemism pro-choice. Well, yesterday's yeah, decision was about as pro-choice as you can get because what yesterday's decision did, it didn't make abortion illegal across the United States. It simply turned that back over to the states to decide, well, who decides in the state? We mm -hmm. do, the voters, yes. the citizens. We elect representatives. And so now we truly have the choice instead of it being decided by nine unelected judges. Yep. So if, if you truly want choice, then you should be in favor of what occurred yesterday. Yeah, that's so good because, and I want to stop there for just a moment because I think so much of what we're hearing belies the ignorance that around this issue and the emotional nature of this issue, which, hey, I understand, right? If you're a mother um, and you're um, single and you're pregnant, right? This is a scary thing, right? I had a child, um, after years of full-time ministry, which we don't get paid very much, I had a second child that wasn't necessarily planned, and it was a scary moment for it. Not 
for us. Not once did I think about aborting our kid, but it was a scary moment because we we're like, how are we going to afford this? What do we do? Um, but the truth is, is that there's so much ignorance around this issue. I did a whole podcast with with Jenny, who I know is a friend of yours, to just talk about like uh, we're talking about Christians you know, being ready. Um, and I'm just like, well, we like, not all, but like we have been. Christians have been on the forefront of fighting this issue and standing up for children in the womb, outside of the womb, and for parents um, every step along the way to help them with education, to help them with jobs, to help them acquire vehicles, help them get cribs, help them get diapers, uh, all of these things. We, we have been busying ourselves doing this stuff. And if you don't know that, it's just simply because you don't know or you don't care to know. There's so much ignorance about what just took place yesterday. And so much of what we're hearing belies the fact that these people, I think by and large, who are in the pro-choice community, they actually think that abortion across the board was totally um, uh, restricted across the nation. Uh, they they think that Roe v. Wade gave access to abortion uh, for um, or or gave a federal mandate for abortion across across the board, um, and that when it's taken away, now abortion is going to go away. Which which you said it beautifully. The point with what took place yesterday is if you're actually pro-choice, what just took place is that now you have the choice where your tax dollars go to. And you also illustrated the fact that it also doesn't really take abortion away. Um, there's ways that people are going to be able to access abortion without even having to cross state lines, not to mention that you can still cross state lines and access abortion in states where it's accessible. So while I want to be honest and say, get rid of it altogether across the nation and as far and wide as we possibly can, um, the truth of what just happened yesterday is that abortion is still very real in America and uh, is now going to a state-by-state -state case, but so many people don't really, they don't have any concept of what Roe v. Wade actually is. Well, you're, all of that is absolutely correct, and you're right. I mean, we are still praying for abortion to not only be illegal, but to be unthinkable. So yeah. our work is in no way done. Um, you know, we celebrate what happened yesterday. It was a great step. And now we get back to it, right? Yeah. Like we are going to be, so we know we're going to be fighting against um, the lawsuits that Planned Parenthood is going to file against what happened yesterday. And the other big thing is, you know, they call for codifying Roe. Well, the flip side of that is we would love to codify illegal, uh, making abortion illegal as a federal thing because it's still killing children. Yeah. And we want to, you know, we would love to be a nation that does not prey on women to make them believe that it's empowering to kill your own child. That is not empowering. Yes. That is not for one thing, it's not God's design for those of us who are Christians. But, you know, even if you take the religious perspective out of it, right, because one of the things they want to tout is this is you and your religion. Don't put your religion you on don't me. Shove it on me. Even if you take the, the, the religious perspective out of it, just follow the science. I mean, yeah. it is undisputable that that is a human life. Yeah, you'll and, get a kick. You know, you'll get a kick out of this, Candy. I uh, posted just this past. It was this past week. I think it was Tuesday. NASA found a boulder perched atop um, kind of a, a mountain, and they were declaring it a sign of life. And so I posted that c directly next to an ultrasound of a baby in the womb, and I said, "Now." This is why we don't believe you when you say you follow the science, because you believe this is a sign of life, but you do not believe that is a sign of life. You don't believe that that is a human being in the womb. So, yeah, there's a, it's, a, it's crazy. You can't follow their, quote, logic to any logical conclusions. Yeah. I mean, I you know, another thing that I talk about is, of course, you know, there are... Um, bald eagles are protected and the whales are protected. And if we were, if we as a nation were killing puppies before they were born, our 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 society would be outraged. Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin on every channel. Absolutely. So it, there's just there's a huge disconnect. Um, and, you know, and the other thing about the abortion industry, you know, they like to use words like abortion care or health care. They do not do what they do because they care about women 
or they care about anybody else. They care about money and don't ever lose sight of the fact they profit. They profit greatly from abortions. And when a woman walks into their facility, they're not trying to give her choices. They're not laying out here. You know, you can parent, you can go with an adoption plan or you can have an abortion. That is not what they do. They are not pr trying to provide a woman a choice. They're trying to sell her an abortion. And there's so many people, even in the church, Reed, and you, I'm sure you're um, very familiar with this. Even in the church, people are deceived by that. They think, uh, some people do, not everybody, of course, but some people, they think, oh, Planned Parenthood, they do all these good things. They do all this health care and then kind of, you know, 3% on the side, they do abortions. Well, what I would say to that is, first of all, that's not even true. Um, but even if it were, what if it were 3%? It's still not a good thing to kill human beings. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. There's so much I want to say about that. Hang on one second. I want to say something about that because this is. I like to state this wherever I can, and I'd love to hear your response to this because um, I want to. I want to tease out some of the left's response or some of the liberal democratic response to what took place on Friday because I think it's important for us to talk about because there's so much emotional misinformation about this subject. But the biggest one is this, is that we become the Wild West. Uh, we go back to back alley abortions, rusty coat hangers, the moment Roe v. Wade is overturned. And how could you do this for women? You barbaric dinosaurs is is the uh, big talking point for so many on the left right now. You can see it all over the view. And I would watch it if I didn't vomit every time I got close to it. Um, but, um, but that whole premise about uh, how many uh, forced back alley abortions took place, how many women were casualties of back alley abortions, was um, was first posited by Narrell in ARAL. So Bernard Nathanson posited that um, th there would be 5,000 to 10,000 women who would die uh, a year annually and did prior to Roe v. Wade from back alley abortions, from illegal abortions, from trying to abort their own baby, whatever. Um, now, First of all, listen to that number, 5,000 to 10,000. So he can't tell, <laughs> he can't chart whether or not there's 5,000 lives being lost in a year to back alley abortions, first of all, which should tip you off to the point that he later admitted to. A lot of people don't know this. The statistics that people use when they talk about these things are to were totally created. They were totally fabricated and this doctor admitted to it. He said it was a, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he basically said it's a useful lie to help us toward an expected end. That I basically just fabricated those statistics out of whole cloth, that they don't exist. Now, were there people who were so desperate that they were perhaps uh, having back alley abortions or trying to abort their babies um, manually without the help of a doctor? Sure. How many? Very, very few and very, very few women actually dying as a result of it. Not to mention, just can we have a conversation about adoption and making that easier so that women don't have to feel so afraid or that their only option is an abortion, which the abortion industry is you can lay that at their their feet, that they've given women only one option. Kill your baby or you yourself will die is essentially what they've told everybody for years. Yes, all of the above that you just said is correct. And yes, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, I mean, he 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 actually did tens of thousands of abortions and was very instrumental, actually, in the Roe versus Wade case. There is a movie. I don't know if you've seen it or your listeners have, but I would encourage people to look it up and watch it. It came out in 20, I think it was 2020, but because of the pandemic, it didn't actually come out till 2021. Mm -hmm. But John Voight is in it, uh, Nick Loeb. And, and anyway, the movie is actually called Roe v. Wade, the movie. And mm -hmm. um, we showed it, Tennessee, or Greater Chattanooga Right to Life. We had a, a showing of it last July. And it is just so telling of kind of how the whole Roe versus Wade decision happened. All of the, the, just like what you were just talking about, just flat out made up stuff yeah. to get that decision passed. And um, yeah, so, you know, like I said, I would encourage people to watch that movie. It's very telling of kind of how all that happened. And the, and the, so, and the other interesting thing about talking about the, 
the um, pro-abortion side talking about we're going to go back to back alley abortions, code hangers and all that. So what's their what are they doing right now? What is their mm -hmm. big thing that they're doing? They're they're doing self abortions. Yeah. They are using these abortion pills. It's a two pill regimen. And that's their big game plan for overcoming the, you know, outlawing of abortion or whatever you want to call it is to use get get women to just self abort with these pills. Yeah. Well, that is I mean, that is not good for women at all. It yeah. is. And, it, and I actually read um, it was a it was a woman who was an, a, a pro-abortion. She was a pro-choice, quote, pro-choice person. It was a comment on on social media and it was about the abortion pills. And she actually said, I've had both. And if you know Abby Johnson, who's a big pro-life advocate, um, used to be a Planned Parenthood uh, director. She's also talked about this too, but this, this lady on social media, she said, I've had surgical and I've had the abortion pill, self-abortion at home, and I would do surgical over. I mean, this is somebody mm -hmm. that's, that's even, you know, pr a proponent of abortions, but she said it was awful. One of the things we want women to understand, talking about the chemical abortions and the medication abortions, the abortion regimen, abortion pill regimen, is there is actually an opportunity to reverse that, right? So if a woman takes that first pill, the mifepristone, mm -hmm. and then she has regret and she says, oh, I don't really want to have an abortion. I wish I had not done that. She can reach out. Yeah. There, there's a website, abortion, re, let me make sure I get this right, abortionpillreversal.com. And there's a network of doctors nationwide. And she can start on this regimen if she gets in touch with one of these doctors quickly enough. And it can actually reverse the effect of that first abortion pill that she took. And, and hundreds of babies have already been saved through this. So we want to make sure that women understand that it's another one of those things that the abortion industry, they actually fight against it. They don't even want it to be known. We've tried to pass yeah. some legislation where abortion um, facilities would have to give women the information about it. So we're back to that thing of if they're truly pro-choice, then why do they not want these women to have choices? There's no there's no mental health follow-up either. You say this is about women, but what about the women who suffer after they've had an abortion mentally and emotionally as oh, a result of it? Yeah, I mean, I mean the the risk to a woman physically of of doing this these self abortions at home. I mean, just the one of the reasons that we passed the law that they these doc these abortionists could not do these through telehealth virtual. I mean, they don't. There's not even an examination. How do you even know the woman's pregnant? It could be an a, a top ectopic pregnancy. I mean, there's so many risks to it. And then like you're talking about the emotional side of it, because, you know, they tell them sit on the toilet and just flush, 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 because when they, if they look down, they're going to see, and that is obviously a human baby. Mm -hmm. And then the trauma of what they've just done. And, you know, but there is hope in that. There's hope in healing, right? Yeah. I mean, like there are also resources. We, we talk about how many resources are available. There are resources for women to choose life. You know, when they find themselves in an unexpected pregnancy situation, we have so many resources. And of course, the other side likes to talk like we don't do anything, but you're right. You said it earlier, churches, Christians, pregnancy resource centers. There's also, um, you know, there's just tons of resources for women to help them choose life. And it's not pro-birth like we get accused of being. We yeah. have resources for them up to like two years old. There's also, um, you know, there is post-abortive counseling. So through the National Memorial for the Unborn, if, if you're not familiar with that or your listeners aren't, that is here in Chattanooga. It's actually on the site where the uh, old abortion facility used to be. Yeah, it's so cool. And there's, they have a healing program for women. I mean, sometimes these women, they aborted their child 30, 50 years ago, and they're still needing that counseling. Mm -hmm. And there's forgiveness, of course, you know, when you go the Christian perspective. Um then there's also at Choices, they have post-abortive um, counseling programs.
Yeah, that's so good. There's all these uh, opportunities that we've been providing for years, but there is so little conversation about that aspect of an abortion just because it's it's inconvenient. Um, but also, too, I, I, I don't want to... I, I, so hopefully that does justice to this idea. Hey, listen, you may have made it this far with us, and you may be pro-abortion, um, but but I think we need to be willing to to have conversations about this and be willing to really um, uh, talk about things that that are not being discussed in the mainstream. One of which being, women's health is not really. All, all it seems to be from people on the left, because there's all sorts of things that they don't want to talk about in terms of women's health. But of course, I hope people understand that those who are, of us who are pro-life, we are actually in the, in, in the court of, of caring about women to make sure that you don't have to make the worst decision of your life, perhaps, uh, and, and go through with an abortion, because the, there are repercussions for that decision, and we want to save you from that. So hopefully people understand through this conversation, we care about those who are pregnant, have unexpected pregnancies, and are in a crisis pregnancy situation, and that's why we care so much about this issue. That's why Roe v. Wade must be overturned. But I but also don't want to neglect the fact that so much in these conversations miss this obvious and just glaring fact that there's also a baby involved in this situation uh, that we need not to so quickly and conveniently forget. So I want to read a couple of responses to you real quick, and then we'll kind of move on uh, to, to talking about what we can expect looking forward in the future. But so I'm not reading these to dunk on people, even though the first one I'm going to read is from the WNBA. But I just want to read some of the responses of people on the on the other side of this uh, to engage that perspective, because I think it, again, belies not only temerity, but also belies the ignorance of, of this issue and the fact that people are not considering uh, the the baby in the womb with these things. They're conveniently forgetting about that. So here, the WNBA just came out after the decision, and this is what they posted on social media. Quote, this decision shows a bunch of government that is out of touch with the country and any sense of human dignity. Now, I just thought that was incredibly ironic, that they're going to talk about human dignity in the context of abortion. Uh, like that doesn't that's not ironic at all to to the WNBA. And this is why companies should by and large just shut up if they don't know what they're talking about. OK, and then Megan Rapinoe, which I don't know why she even has a dog in the fight because she's a lesbian soccer player. Uh, but nonetheless, it didn't stop her from coming out and saying, we know that this will disproportionately affect poor women, black women, brown women, immigrants, women in abusive relationships, women who have been raped, women and girls who have been raped by family members or you know, uh, maybe that just didn't make the best choice in life. Um, so the reason I think that that is also ironic is that one of the biggest eliminators of black and brown babies on the planet, not only parenthood, but or Planned Parenthood, but but abortion, like if you really cared about black and brown people, well, then you would care about black and brown babies. Um and I guess I, I almost, you can probably roll with that, but I just, I, I'm wondering still, is it that the people who are pro-abortion, because it just doesn't make sense to me, um, maybe that's easy to, to achieve, but is it that they don't believe that it's a baby in the womb or that they do not care and they believe that just because they cannot see it, they have some kind of a materialistic fallacy that just because they cannot see it, it is less important than the human being that they can see? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they think, but I will tell you some of my personal, just a couple of things in personal experience. One is a lot of it, uh, or some people, which I shouldn't say a lot, some people, they simply want to remain ignorant, willful ignorance. I've tried to have a conversation with someone who was pro-choice and, you know, as I started trying to just, you know, if you just try to follow the logic. You know, when, when you say yeah. pro-choice, what, what choice are you talking about? You know, get them to say, what is that choice you're making? You know, well, it's, you know, to end a pregnancy. Well, what is a pregnancy? You know, you just keep following it. This person just said, Candy, I don't want to talk about this. And I thought, you know, mm. so so you're supporting a cause or a, a, a philosophy or, or a, whatever you want to call it. 
and you don't even want to discuss what it really yeah. is because yeah, it's taboo for yeah, you. So yeah. So I mean, when you get somebody who will have a conversation with you and you can really respectfully discuss it with each other, you know, then I think that's where we're going to be able to change hearts and minds because you cannot follow their quote logic to logical conclusions. I think yeah. that's part of it. I think the other part is, you know, they did used to say, you know, it's a clump of cells. Well, first of all, we're all a clump of cells. They're just different cells. But yeah. now with the medical technology we have, I mean, 3D ultrasound, 4D ultrasound, we have a window into the womb. They cannot deny, I mean, they cannot logically, now this, some of them still try to do this, but they cannot logically deny that that is a human right. being. But now it's, mm -hmm. well, it's better to uh, eliminate that child than to have an, quote, unwanted, you know, they're going to be poor or they're going to, you know, have whatever, you know, all these disadvantages yeah. in life. Okay, so first of all, you you think it's better then to just not even give that person a chance at life just because they might have a rough life. I mean, a lot of people yeah. have had a rough start and have done amazing things. Uh, first of all, you know, this is true. Of, this is true of the rape argument as well. It's just like, OK, so the um, the person who raped somebody is tried criminally in court, goes to jail. Hopefully all that stuff is found. But you give the ultimate penalty to the baby that has nothing to do with this whole thing. You give them the murder, the death. Well, sentence? and they, you know, they they make these assertions that are also just not true. They're not factual. Yeah. Um, one is that this woman, this mother that's been raped and now is going to have to, you know, be reminded of her rapist by having to carry this child and keep this child or whatever. I have personally had the opportunity to hear two different mm. um, pe people, different speakers at banquets and, and had the opportunity to talk to them. One was she was raped in college and she chose to keep her child. And, you know, what she talked yeah. about was that child actually helped me heal from the emotional trauma of the rape. Of course, wow. rape is awful. It should never happen. But it, but you're exactly right. Why would the unborn child, the innocent life, the innocent person in this equation be the one that gets, you know, the the consequence of it? The rapist is the one that should be getting the consequences. So it's not the things that they tout are not even factual that the, the that. Yeah. You know, it's really adding insult to injury, so to speak, because the woman, women do not come out of an abortion unscathed. I don't care what they say about shout your abortion and this was the best thing I ever did. Deep down, you know, they know and, and they do not really believe that themselves, I don't think. I think we're trying to push yeah. down, you know, some emotions and some some things. I mean, I've read some statistics like the the. Um, the uh, instance of depression, substance abuse, emotional issues, all of that is higher in women who've had abortions. Yeah, that's and And I want to just say one last thing about this, because I think it might, it's not only the pro-abortion side of things is just filled with logical fallacies. Um, perhaps it's Perhaps it's this too. Clarence Thomas alluded to this in his um, concurrence. Um, when he speaks to kind of the the opposition, he says this, and I just thought this was a fantastic quote, and I think this really does sum up why perhaps there is an almost willful ignorance. Um, and, and, and I'll read the quote and then kind of comment on it, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, he said, 50 years since Roe, and abortion advocates still can't coherently describe the rights at stake. This proves the obvious fact that the right to an abortion is a policy goal in constant search of a constitutional justification. So the right to have an abortion, in other words, is not constitutional. It is a policy that the left, that liberals pursue, and that they're constantly trying to attach the Constitution to it. Um, so people, in other words, can be clearly blinded by ideology. I, I, I do a lot of kind of research, I guess, on the side on this on this very thing. Of course, people accuse Christians of this, and perhaps it's true in some ways, but but we all can and have the potential to be blinded by ideology. I want 
to state that clearly, especially for those who maybe, especially in the like Christian pro-choice camp, which I just think is totally irrational, but because they have some sentimentality about them that tells them, um, which we don't have to get into, but in case of rape, in case of incest, we want to keep abortion. Um, uh, that that that's the loving position as a Christian to to make sure that we can secure abortions for for people and the, and and I guess we all have the tendency to be blinded by ideology at the end of the day, but it would be my hope that beyond all of the 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 talking points that we could just clearly see what took place on on Friday and and even if you disagreed with um, the the. Uh, the pro-life community and you disagreed with those who think abortion should be ended, I would hope that you would be able to step back for a moment and actually see what took place. And what actually took place was that the Supreme Court created a check against the federal government, and this is what they're supposed to do. The left wants the Supreme Court to be a legislative body for their policy procedures. The Supreme Court yesterday, regardless of if you're right, left, center, or anything else, pro-choice, pro-abortion, the Supreme Court yesterday did what they were created to do constitutionally, which was to be a check against the powers of the federal government. So when the federal government overreaches, takes too much authority into their hands, the Supreme Court slaps them on the hand, and this is why they are not an elected body by the people, so that they can they can act as a check against the federal government, which is elected by the people. Um, so that when they overreach, they, they can stop and say, hey, you know what? No. The federal government is not supposed to do this. So point of fact, this is also lost in the conversation. What happened yesterday was not tyranny or totalitarianism or the taking of power that didn't belong. It was actually something beautiful that I hope all people can understand. They took power and they gave it away to the people. And they said, you now have the right to decide. You may not like the decision by the majority in the state in which you live, but it's your decision. It's your taxpayer dollars. I honestly don't know how anybody on the left can disagree with something like that, except for that the left has totalitarian tendencies. But that's well, yeah. I mean, and to me, when it comes to abortion, apart from any other topic, any other ideology, it seems like when it comes to abortion, people's um, thought processes, their ability yeah. to reason and 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 look at things um, logically and all that, it seems to go out the window. I mean, it's, and, and yeah. I guess maybe it is that you mentioned earlier, like the emotional, um, it's just in a very emotionally charged thing. It's a very emotionally charged topic, but I mean, we're really, we're talking about life and death here. You know, I mean, it is, yeah. it is to me, it is not like any other issue we deal with in our society. It, it's it's different. It's separate because it is literally life and death. Yes, that's so important. And I want to say something about that, and I'd love to hear you actually just kind of speak on this too. This is why I don't think that we can afford to take middle ground um, on certain issues. When we're talking about life and death, there is no middle position for this. I hope the Christian hears me say that, and I hope the person with a conscience that may not even be a Christian hears me say that, that that the middle is a good place sometimes for compromise on certain things, maybe on like budgetary concerns, but not when we're talking about the life of an unborn baby. Um, I want more people who... Um, especially Christians. I want to speak to my brothers and sisters and just sometimes scream and just say, listen, the middle is a position for squishes sometimes. It's a it's a way for you to polish your cowardice into thoughtfulness. Um, and it takes a lot of polishing when we're talking about the life of an unborn baby, because we need to be addicted to winning these issues and standing up for these things. I hope yesterday was a celebratory moment that we do not soon forget, because we need to get addicted to winning. I think the right, um, conservatives and certainly Christians, are so used to losing that we feel comfortable losing and we just we just accept it as such. Now people will probably disagree with that, but I don't you know, I don't care. They've been wrong before and I'm typically right. But uh, suffice to say, I um, in all seriousness, I, I I hope we get used to winning once again on issues like this where life and death are at stake and that we forget 
this kind of just adoration, I would say, of the middle. Um, let me give a quick analogy of this just because it keeps on coming to mind. Just recently, one of the biggest pastors in America preached a sermon series on um, on being in the radical middle, uh, some would call it, and talked about kind of polarization, how uh, what happened in our country in 2020 proved that even Christian evangelicals care most about winning very often, um, and that they're only concerned with winning. Well, I, I would just tell you this: unless you're addicted to losing, winning is actually a good thing when we're talking about when we're talking about life in the womb. I hope Christians do get addicted to winning when it comes to that issue because it's life and death. I hope Christians get addicted to the issue of the gender transitioning of children because these are surgeries that and hormone blockers that create issues in children that can never be reversed. I hope we get addicted to winning. I hope we care about winning. Um, and I think uh, winning yesterday is a just a, a reminder to me that, that we as Christians need to start standing up for what we actually believe in. Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, is that is that a mic drop? I don't know. Yes, it, it was. I mean, you know, there are. Let me say, there are a lot of churches who are doing a lot for life. I mean, we don't want to lose yeah. sight of that. So, but then the flip side of that is there are churches and and Christians like you're talking about who. I like to say, won't touch it with a 10 foot pole, you know, in, in the yeah. advocacy work that I do, I try to get into churches and speak, you know, give me 10 minutes to just come in and educate and, and talk about, you know, life issues and, and how your church can help us build a culture of life here in our state. And, you know, what's sad is a lot of them won't, they won't talk about it. It doesn't get talked about from the pulpit a lot. And, and, you know, what my concern is, is when it's not talked about, then in it, in this case, of course, I'm talking about abortion, you know, we've got a lot of walking wounded, you know, a lot of women who've had abortions, even in our churches, don't fool yourselves, you know, abortion is in the churches too. And, you know, if they don't yeah. ever hear anything in the church about it, then either they must be sitting there thinking abortion must be the unforgivable sin because nobody ever talks about it, or they're thinking it must be okay, right? Nobody ever talks about yeah. it, so it must be okay. And I think the silence is literally killing us, both spiritually and physically. Mm. And, you know, if we don't speak truth to our people, the abortion industry, of course, is more than willing to fill their minds with and, and, you know, especially our young people um, in our communities with their deception. And so it's it, yeah. there's never a void. Right. Like it's either going to be truth or it's going to be deception. And unfortunately, the deception yeah. of the abortion industry sometimes is winning. But we've got to take that back. And yesterday was definitely a win for us. And I think we need to just keep rolling. Like you said, keep rolling with that. Uh, don't expect to lose. I mean, why would we expect to lose? We're on God's side. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So with that being said, let's talk about what the future looks like, because um, we're obviously, if we understand this the way it should be, this just takes abortion, puts it back to the states for them to decide. Um, so we're electing officials based upon um, what we believe on this issue. So power to the people, right? So, um, so what can we expect and what should we be doing if we care about life and want to see abortion eliminated um, in the United States and become a blight that um, we say one to ourselves, how in the world did we did we ever do this as a nation? So what's next? Yeah. What should we do? Well, I think um, you know, voting, voting um, who is in office matters. You know, our laws matter. And so educate yourselves, um, vote for life. And actually, Tennessee Right to Life has a pack and we will be endorsing pro-life candidates. And our website is vote for like the number four life.org. So people can go out there and, and great, get yeah. educated. Um, you know, and then just continuing to care for these women, these families who have these unexpected pregnancies, 
coming alongside them, providing, you know, the um, physical things that they need, helping them with whatever it is that they need in order to choose life and walking with them. And, you know, our churches are already doing this. Our pregnancy resource centers are already doing it, but we've got to continue and do even more. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday was a great victory, but now we continue doing the work. We don't, you know, we don't just yeah. hang up our our um, pro advo- pro-life advocacy hat and say, good job, we're done. I mean, we just continue to do these things. So, um, you know, we'll be content, Tennessee Right to Life will be continuing to work with our legislators. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, we don't expect Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry to take this lying down. We expect there to be challenges. Right. So we'll be continuing to um battle it out in court, unfortunately, to try to keep our um, pro-life laws that we have now on the books and keep our pro-life legislators. We are very blessed in Tennessee. We have a pro-life supermajority, and that's because people have voted them in, you know, and when they're campaigning, Mm -hmm. they don't, you know, pretend like they're not pro-life. They, you know, let people know that they're pro-life and they're going to vote for pro-life legislation. Yeah, that's so that's so important because one of the things that I wanted to mention that I forgot to when I was talking about uh, Clarence Thomas's opinion and talking about the squishy middle is that it's so hard to figure out who is actually pro-life because people will get elected and say, well, I'm pro-life, um, but really not have any pro-life stance whatsoever, do it just merely for political uh, purposes. And I think we have a unique moment here in that now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, we get to actually say, hey, you know, are you going to actually own up to what you said on the campaign trail? Are you going to be true to who you said you would be? And conservatives, by and large, have been so disappointed through throughout the the ages with, with that, especially with Supreme Court justices. But we're living in a different time that shows that we can't, you know, just be satisfied with the squishy middle or politicians that lie. We need to hold them accountable and we need to, uh, we need to know who we're voting for. So it's really great that you guys have a resource to do that. So I'm going to put that um, website down in the description of this podcast so that people can access that um, and really get to know who they're voting for. And they can trust that the guys that you are getting behind are truly pro-life candidates. Then the other thing I want to mention, too, is I don't want you to go before we talk about volunteering. Um, I'm going to start volunteering at a uh, pregnancy resource center. And it's so important that men do this because there are not just women involved in uh, in choosing to keep a baby or um, or being, you know, deciding on whether or not to have an abortion. There are there are guys involved in this thing. Uh, we don't need to have birds and the bees conversation, hopefully. Uh, but uh, but it's really important because it's a real missing piece of, of ministry. So I'm going to try to take on a mentorship role at a pregnancy resource center to try to help mentor men who uh, are in this situation and deciding to carry or debating as to whether or not uh, to abort their their child. Um, but you guys are a volunteer-led organization, and I want to give people the opportunity to volunteer with you guys. So if, if anybody wants to say, hey, I want to take my pro-life stance beyond just even a vote or just a, you know, um, checking the box, but I actually want to get serious about this. How can they volunteer with yeah, you guys? So I would have them go to our website, which is prolifechat.org. So it's prolifechat.org, and they can get all kinds of information on our website about us. And there's also a volunteer page, and they can fill that form out and get in touch with us. And we will work with them on, you know, what are their interests, what are their knowledge, skills, and abilities that they bring to the table, and how they can get plugged in. So the first step would be to get in touch with us through prolifechat.org. Okay, perfect. All right, and then um, I'm going to ask you on this last one just to pull out your crystal ball. Uh, and I know we don't really know, but I, I just, I'd, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts. I like to ask the question nonetheless. Do you think that in our lifetime, we will see abortion eliminated in our nation? That is a hope and a prayer. I, I would, I, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure we would ever see Roe versus Wade overturned, yeah. and and God forgive me for for you know even not believing that that might happen. So I want to believe with my whole heart that yes, we can make abortion un 
unthinkable, illegal and unthinkable in our lifetimes. Yeah, we're going to have to change the culture and we're going to have to change the laws in order to do that. So Christians and people of conscience have to stand up and make a difference if we are going to do that. And that's so beautifully put, because I think that's that's right. We have a living example right before us, something that we thought in prior generations would be impossible just happened. So what is truly impossible? And let's make sure that we don't put limitations on what could be possible in this nation, because there are alternatives and we do not have to resort to aborting millions of babies each year because of an inconvenience. That's right. And, you know, just think about the efforts that we've um, had to spend on fighting against just trying to get abortion made illegal in our state. Now we can move those efforts towards even more um, support and help for the families. That's so great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, well, Candy, thank you so much for being on today. I'm really, really uh, pumped about the future and, uh, you know, joining up with you guys and and uh, seeing what takes place in our nation. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I do have one thing if we could mention it. And I think yeah. you go to Calvary Chapel. So on Thursday night, June the 30th, we do have um, a solemn prayer assembly coming up. So this is being hosted um, by Hamilton Flourishing and Greater Chattanooga Right to Life is one of the co-sponsors and several other pro-life organizations. And so it's at 630 at Calvary Chapel, and we would love to see people come. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be a great event. Um, yeah, and I was doing a little bit of work on that event uh, this this past week. So yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Candy. Well, thank you so much for everything that you have done. Thank you so much for the work that you've got ahead of you because we do have our work cut out for us. But because of you, lives are being saved and uh, you're a hero. So thank you for everything you've done. To God be the glory. It's all him. I'm just his soldier. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We will catch you next time. Our thanks again to our guests for being on the show today. Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman was brought to you by our sponsors. If you like what you heard today, please do us a big favor and give it a five-star review and like it and share it with friends. And if you want to hear more awesome guests, make sure to check out past episodes. Indie Thinker is a nonprofit paid for by our sponsors and the generous gifts of people like you. In order to hear more great guests like you did today, please consider giving a tax-deductible gift by going to IndieThinker.org. And just remember, your voice matters, but infinitely more when you think for yourself.